Welcome to Indie Dotes, the podcast that shares the stories of independent creators. I'm your host, Susan Bond. Today on the show, I have Robbie Russell, who you might know as the creator of Oh My Z Shell, but he is also the VP of Engineering and a partner at Planet Argon, and he's also a, a musician and has a band, uh, The Mighty Missoula. <laughs> did I get that right? Yes, you did. I know today we want to talk about Oh My Z Shell, but I'd actually like to start start with how you like your 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 day job, so to speak, right? Because you, you you make money someplace else from then Oh My Z Show. That is correct. So, uh, Planet Argon is a software development agency that I started back in two thousand two. The first few years, this was back in two thousand two. I started uh, freelancing and kind of moonlighting while I was working at another company, and then in two thousand four, I quit my last job to start doing freelancing full-time so that I could, I'm air quoting, focus on my music career. And um, so that kind of, that was about the, the last time I had a, you know, a job with someone else. So since 2004, I've been, you know, self-employed and running an agency since 2005. Oh, wow. Wait, so what about this music career? <laughs> what was the, can we just go quickly into what this music career was and is it still is? It's a good question. So back in, you know, I think in the 90, late 90s, I had this fantasy of being in a, like a gutter punk band. And then when I moved to Portland in 2000, I started joining some bands in, in different types of genres. And in 2002, started a new band that was um, something, it's instrumental music called post-rock is the genre. If you've li ever listened to things like Explosions of the Sky or Mogwai or Godspeedy Black Emperor, it's kind of in that realm. And and my band was starting to get some a little bit of local attention at the time, and I thought that was going to be something I could focus a little bit more on. And uh, so when I quit my job in 2004, I thought I could maybe work less hours so I could spend more time working with the band on recording and, and things of that nature. And so coincidentally, in 2005, my Planet Argon started picking up a lot of traction, and then my band kind of fell apart because our bass player got pregnant and decided she couldn't join the, be in the band much longer. And then I kind of put down music for almost a decade outside of, you know, playing guitar by myself every once in a while. So a couple of years ago, I started a new band, and that's becoming another big part of my um, side project life again. Oh, wow. So you're, I was going to ask you what instrument you were, guitar? Yes. Got primarily. it. Primarily. Got it. The band, as the band is winding down and the bass player is pregnant and she's <laughs> growing, um, a human, you, Planet Argon, is, is picking up. Yeah, so I was introduced to Ruby on Rails through uh, Derek Sivers from, I don't know if you know who that is, but yep. from who from CD Baby, the, the founder of CD Baby. And um, in late 2004, I actually had this brief period where I was, I was, I actually applied for a job at CD Baby because their headquarters were here in Portland. And there was only one software developer in the company there at the time, which was Derek. And he was looking to bring in a new developer to help him with the project. And so I thought, you know, focusing on my music and being a software developer, that would be like a great fit for me because then I could interact with a bunch of other musicians that work there. And uh, just continue immersing myself in music while getting to use this technical skill that I had, you know, acquired over the last several years. Uh, and so he interviewed me in my living room one morning while he ate like a big pile of pineapple and pretty much offered <laughs> me a job after a few interviews. He gave me a nice tour of the, the of their their warehouses and said, yeah, he basically gave me a verbal offer for the job and said, let's talk about it after the new year. He's like, I'm going away for a ski trip. And he, so I wait for the, over th the, through the winter break and then he came back and said hey change of plans I got stuck in a blizzard and I had this book called programming Ruby and I love Ruby now and I want to rewrite everything in Ruby on Rails which I'd only re recently heard about and so he said I found someone in San Diego named Jeremy and he's gonna move up to Portland and work for me and if you can pick it up in the next few months I'll hire you and I was like oh okay so slight change of plans from getting to work at CD Baby but so I spent the next few months starting to immerse myself in Ruby on Rails and then I started blogging under my blog um, name, <clears throat> Robbie on Rails, and that... I love that Robbie on Rails. <laughs> you're good at naming. We're going to discuss more about this okay. later. Okay, Robbie on Rails. You're blogging and you're learning Ruby. And... So I'm sharing what I'm learning, and then that started to pick. I started getting tra some uh, quite a bit of traffic from that because I was kind of just sharing, almost blogging, almost daily about new things. And back then there wasn't a lot of. Uh, a lot of thorough documentation in Ruby on Rails yet. So I, you know, there's a lot of bugs still because it was a brand new technology. It's maybe not even a year old yet. 
And so I was contributing to that, sharing my lessons and the, the things I really enjoyed about Ruby on Rails, the things that were, I was struggling with, trying to wrap my head around or having maybe some different opinions from um, the framework on how I thought applications should be developed. So it was kind of like like working through that, that phase. And then <clears throat> I got approached by a book publisher to work on a book for a, you know, this, at this point I had maybe three or four months worth of Ruby and Rails experience and it was already being offered a book deal. Wow. So it was an interesting period where you're kind of, uh, so that year, my transition from me trying to fight over PHP and Python and Perl projects over Craigslist ads and things like that switched to people wanting to hire me and offer me jobs. And then, so this was throughout 2005. So I was working on the book through most of that year. And then late, I think in the fall that year, some of the projects that came my way were much larger that I could tackled it by myself and I knew a number of local Ruby developers that you know I met in the Ruby um, Ruby group here in, in Portland and nobody was really hiring any Ruby developers at the time so I, I kind of had this moment and thinking back with my uh, former partner at the time where we were like hey well, what should we do about this should we you know keep turning away these big projects or should we just recruit some of these folks to come work with us and we'll work on these projects and become an agency so kind of the, the at that point it was like why don't we just see what happens? And so we went from two people working in Attic to about eight people working in Attic in about two weeks and had a couple of really large projects that, and at that point we've basically been an agency ever since then. Wow. So you never went back and worked at CD Baby? No, nope, never went there. And so we had talked several months later and uh, Derek and I, we kept in, we still keep in touch every once in a while, but uh, <clears throat> we, when he, when we talked about it again, it was, I was just like, you know, I have my situation to change from me trying to f- you know, find work consistently to work knocking on our door all the time. And so that was a huge shift of like, well, there's a lot of opportunity here. So um, I still like the flexibility of working for myself. And um, yeah, I wanted to kind of see where I could take that. What a great, uh, I, I, I would say like sort of accidental <clears throat> You know what I mean? Yeah, Finding, definitely. you know, like, an, like, you know, you're thinking, oh, you have a job. And then he comes back and says, no, I'm rewriting it in, in Ruby and Rails. And you go learn it. And then that sets you off. You go learn it and sets you off on a whole new path. A whole new path, whole new career came out of that. And, you know, it was, <clears throat> I'm very thankful of that, uh, that verbal offer being taken away. So Right, right. Like I think some people could be really dejected and go into a bad place, so to speak. And instead you were like, well, I'm going to go learn this. And then you were like, oh, and now I'm doing this whole new career path and this whole new thing that I hadn't really envisioned. Right? Because you hadn't imagined being a business owner before, had you? Well, I had a couple of uh, failed prod- like business attempts in, in, in my late teens and early th- 2000s. So, you know, I think that at that point in my life, I was always starting up all these different projects. Like the, how I got into programming in the first place was I wanted to sell stickers, like political activists and punk music stickers for bands on the internet. So I taught myself how to do some web development so that I could have like an online mail catalog type tool. And so I was always trying to do things like that. Like little, you know, I remember when I was younger, you know, teachers would always say that I was very entrepreneur because I'd be the kid that would show ah. up with candy to sell the kids and, you know, have a, a little bit of a markup <laughs> on that. And my, so it was in you. Yeah. You had the entrepreneurial gene, but at the time you weren't necessarily trying to start a business. I was definitely not thinking when I quit my last job, I'm going to start a business that I'm going to have employees. I think it was, I'm going to work for myself and be like just self-employed freelancer and that's that would be like an ideal scenario for me so that I could spend you know have a very flexible schedule so I could play music or if I wanted to tour things like that or travel all the time there is very much that I don't want to be tied down anywhere for someone else necessarily and then but the idea of having like a business with employees that just seemed that if, if I could go back and talk to myself six months before I hired our first develop, first employees, I probably would have laughed at that, per, you know, myself. So I've been like, there's no way I would do that. So, right. but I think quite it, different, right? It is, like working for yourself is extremely different. Like being a single soul person versus an, an agency. They're extremely different. There's just, they're, they're night and day. It, it is a, a very different world. And I think the thing that, you know, going back to my, you know, my early days of just thinking about, I, I, I never wanted to be, I never wanted to work in computers as a teenager, for example. And my mm. my father works he lives, works in Silicon Valley to this day in hardware. Um, 
and he, you know, was always trying to me, get me interested in software development as a kid. He's like, I wanted to, you know, he'd buy me programming books, and I had very little interest because it just wasn't, it never resonated with me, especially the idea of writing something that was in a textbook on my computer and then hitting run and then seeing where I had a typo to see, I'm like, why, someone else already wrote this, why would I want to write the same thing? So I never really got, like, why I would want to work in computers and my idea of what the idea of working in the computer industry at that point was I'm going to work, end up working in a cubicle in a building with not a lot of windows around and that just didn't seem like the creative outlet type life that I wanted and so I was like, you know, just that angry youth type person, rebellious, like, no, I'm going to go figure something else out. I'm going to go play music and be an artist in Portland and um, and save the environment and go live in a tree so they can't cut down the forest or something. And it was never about <laughs> me. You know, I, I did not, <clears throat> I didn't want to work in computers. It's like a very, very, was stuck on that for a really long time. I didn't realize, you know, at the time that, you you know, I mean, obviously everybody was going to be working with computers to some degree, but it didn't occur to me pretty short-sighted that, you know, there's a lot of other ways that you could work in the computer industry without, you know, it's funny, we even, like at the time that I would even call it the computer industry. Um, <laughs> right. Because the internet was still kind of this new thing that we were getting used to. And it sure was. <clears throat> so, anyhow, coming kind of circling back, the I never, when the when we when we decided to start hiring people, it was very much a, well, what, let's let's give it a whirl and see what happens. You know, there's not a lot of risk at, you know, we, we can go, we can try this. Every, everybody's going to be better off for having gone down this experiment for a little bit. If we only have six months worth of work, then we only have six months worth of work, and then I can just go back to working by myself. And these developers would have got to work with a new technology that they're really excited about, and none of their companies were using it yet. So that's that's great. Actually, I, I really, you know, I, I'm familiar with a number of Ruby and Rails shops. Uh, my partner is a former rocketeer, worked for Hash Rocket. Okay. Um, yeah. And so, but I, I, I was not familiar that Planet Argon was of that same sort of vintage fairly early in, you know, the explosion of Ruby and Rails. So I love, I love that I'm getting the behind the scenes story about that era. I think if, I remember back in 2005, 2006, I remember one of our things was, we're the largest Ruby on Rails company on the West Coast. So I think we were like 12 people. So, but, uh, you know, I think a couple years later that we're definitely, there's several other companies that grew up much larger than we did. But yeah, it was a, I remember that was an amusing part of that era. So Yeah, yeah. It's a, I, I know there are people who listen to the podcast who will be, who will enjoy hearing a, a bit about that era. So you started, so Planet Argon is going. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to fast forward us to 2009 um, and the birth of Oh My Z Shell. I love that name. Can we just come start with how you came up with that name? The short version to that would be uh, within a year before that, one of our former employees, this um, developer named Chris, and I had worked on a side project called Oh My Science. And... It, yeah. We basically what we would do is we would take tweets that would praise things that could be maybe better attributed to science uh, on Twitter and rewrite them on this website. So it had all these random tweets showing up from people, and people would get gold stars when they would use the phrase "Oh my science" or "Think science for X Y Z," uh, like for for air conditioning or something. And people tend to would uh, it was kind of like a goofy side project thing that we were working on, and so. When I was working on building out the very first version of Oh My Z Shell, was you know I think I probably thought of very uninspiring names like Robbie's Z Shell con- configuration or something. But I was like, oh, I'm just gonna play off the name that I'd been using because 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 I thought about the fact that it was very customizable and everybody was gonna you know the, I was actually making that for my a couple of my coworkers, not necessarily thinking it was gonna be this big thing or anything, but it was here's my Z shell configuration. And so I just kind of tacked on the O and it was kind of like a, Oh, my Z shell. And that's how that kind of came to be. But it was actually named after kind of in response to a previous project that I had called Oh, my science. Well, I like the, like, you know, my Z shell would have been totally, it would have made sense. Right. But the fact that you added the O just gives it so much personality. Um, I just, 
I don't know. I always imagine someone saying, oh, my Z-shell, like with an exclamation point. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Or oh, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So it's just, I'm hoping people are exclaiming that when they're using the tool or for the first time or something. So it's right. Just, it just has such a great sensibility. And there's like a little bit of a sense of humor and not taking yourself too seriously that I just, <laughs> I just love about that. Okay. So I know you wrote a blog post about some of the beginnings. So we won't go completely into that. Okay. We'll make sure to give link that to show notes. But let's just give folks an overall perspective of like who haven't read that article, why you started the project. So by default, I mean, as, as software developers, some of us are, especially since we started using um, command line based uh, Mm. Versioning tools like Git and prior to that Subversion and C or CVS, yeah. other you know source code versioning tools. We um, so so I've, what I was finding was there's a lot of developers or new developers that were especially front end developers were kind of new to the command line and so didn't feel super comfortable with some of the tools that you could you know run and or the and so one of the things I was also doing was a couple of my peers they were using Bash which is kind of like the default. Uh, um, terminal shell that you would use on your computer, like in Linux and yep. like OS 10, it's usually always defaults to bash for the most part. It's a more popular one. And Z shell had a, a couple of really cool features uh, that bash didn't really easily have at the time with related to like auto completing and like how file naming com auto completion worked across servers and things like that. And um, how you can customize things a little bit, make make the interface a little bit richer, I suppose. And so I think at the time, since there was a lot of desktop tools coming out to help developers, there was I had this interest of actually trying to make the command line interface a little bit more enjoyable for a couple of my pe peers on the on my team, because when they would need help with like some server stuff or fixing something on their computer, I would sit down and help them with them, and then just watching them painfully work through some stuff in Bash. I mean, like, I, why didn't you take my Z shell configuration that I shared? Like, you could copy and paste that in there and and into your uh, into your configuration and switch your default terminal, and then everything you would have all these same tools, and your life would be so much better, like mine is, because kind of like a know-it-all developer at <laughs> some things and they were kind of groan at me and like I don't really understand what you know what what is this configuration doing and then so I thought that was a good response to that so I said one one evening I was like you know what I'm gonna clean I'm gonna clean up the documentation and then I broke apart the prop my like I had this one really big long file configuration and I broke it into some smaller pieces and kind of refactored it wrote some a little bit of basic documentation and said here you go here's this little thing if you you know just download this code from my new github repository and then um, you can have this and then like over the next few days they started asking me to make some changes to it or how can they customize it further and it just kind of kept snowballing and me adding new features just for them and then um, within a few weeks and other people and then I had mentioned it on my Robbie on Rails blog and then some people started using it there the genesis of the project was I want to make two of my closest developer co-workers um, use this tool so that when I'm helping them, I'm not like groaning that the, that they haven't taken me up on my recommendation yet. It's kind of like when, if you've ever been, like if you ever recommend music or like a great Netflix show to someone and they never actually listen to you and you're like, why are you watching that other show when I told you about that great show two years ago? <laughs> uh, that's how I was feeling with them about um, their terminal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's a little bit different. Like a, a show might not affect your work, but you know, the the terminal might you know it might I'm affect someone's so. yeah it might affect someone's experience so it sounds like once you you sent that over to them it sounds like they started using it pretty quickly they did they started using it they thanked me for the documentation and then they wanted to customize it and you know a big thing at the at that back then was you know a lot of people were still you know maybe a couple of years into using Git it was pretty fresh and we were we had front end developers that were maybe HTML and CSS focused and we're starting to get deeper into like working on our projects in the Ruby stack and they needed to interact with Git and that wasn't something they had ever really worked with before and so I saw that they had a lot of anxiety when you get this you know black screen with some white text on this thing and you're, you're going to start making some changes and you know you're where you're going to break something I wanted to soften that environment up a little bit so I started adding like concept of themes and like and such so that you can kind of get some colors in there and like give you some little indicators like hey if you you know there's like a little red check mark that means something you might want to be aware of something or like things are green and that's good and just add some 
some maybe some helpful make improve the user experience of the command yeah. line because I thought at the time it was you know well I had a lot of those things already in my configuration but I just thought how can I make this a little bit more invitable to folks that are kind of new to working with command lines because I didn't see that going away anytime soon uh, but it was really like I want to help my my employees out and maybe some of my friends that I know in the community and so we can kind of collectively share some you know, tips and tricks and some little plugins and things like that. So kind of grew from well, there. Yeah, user experience was exactly like where I, I was like, oh, yeah, that really improves the user experience and how much that can do when somebody is, you know, in their command line hours a day, mm -hmm. right? That that can be really big. So people start asking for some customizations and then, it you know, you post about it on, on Robbie on Rails. And when did it really start to become, like when did it, let's say, begin to really snowball? Where it, or, or did it just happen more gradually? It was very, very much a gradual thing. I wish, one thing I would say about GitHub is I wish that the stats were a little bit easier to kind of go back and track. I think I could probably do some stuff with like the Wayback Machine, but do they get a sense of like how, like how much traffic you were getting, you know? seven years ago or what have you. I think it was now eight. Yeah. How many years ago did this thing even start? Wow. Seven. Uh, wow. Well, you started yeah. in 2009 <laughs> and it's 2018. That's so. insane. Um, so eight and a half years ago. Wow. <laughs> a long time okay. ago. Uh, the, I'm gonna did I just make sick. you feel really old? Uh, a little bit. Um, <laughs> it's uh, just didn't let that sink in there for a moment. But the <laughs> I had a similar conversation. I was having we have a handful of interns right now that are that are joining us for a short period of time that just got out of coding school and so they're working with uh, Ruby on Rails and you know they've been doing it for about six months and then I thought it was I, in conversations with them over co getting coffees with them and stuff and then realizing that you know there's developers that don't know who um, DHH the you know, yeah. David Heinrich, they don't, they don't even know who that is. And I was, that stuff like that amuses me now to be like, you know, like that stuff was so like, Oh, that was like 12 years ago. He released that. Right. Or something. And then, or that, or see the guy from that video, like the 15 minute blog thing, but they don't really know much about like the history of the rail. And then I thought, right. That's weird on one hand, but it's also kind of awesome that there's just all these people out there that are using the, the framework <clears throat> and getting involved in the, you know, as a career life thing. And they didn't need to be part of that early phase that I, you know, that I went through, and so it's, it's, it's I interesting. Kind of, it did, I don't know what to make of that, but it, um, <clears throat> I remember thinking, um, I think probably about four or five years after the early era of Ruby on Rails, where I would be at a conference and people wouldn't know me anymore as the Ruby on Rails person. Um, occasionally, people folks would, but that people feel like early on, like I would get some recognition for that. And then nowadays, when I sh go to conferences or things or online, people all know me as oh my Z shell person, which has always been like this small little side thing that I don't immediately think a lot about all the time. So, uh, and it's very intentional. We can t talk deeper about that. But yeah, um, I do. It's interesting so. about identity, right, and how we think about ourselves and think about uh, think about mm -hmm. those th think about those things. I definitely want to talk more about that. Oh My Z Show was just sort of like, uh, it was just gaining momentum without really, you know, you trying. People were finding it and using it and requesting things. Um, so it just kind of grew more incrementally. Yeah, I'd say for the first few years, it had just, you know, a little bit of momentum. And it was, it was funny because I was also, you know, Twitter was, you know, was kind of like a year or two out at that point maybe give or take a year. I can't remember what your Twitter started. But, you know, so I was, I was, exper I thought it was a fun experiment to, like, how can I brand and market uh, an open source project, one, in kind of a playful way and not really take it too seriously. But, uh, so for the first couple of years, you know, I, you know, I don't remember how many folks were, you know, contributing necessarily. It was probably maybe in a hundred or a couple hundred people. And I remember, see, it was 2011, probably spring 2011 was when I started really noticing a, an, an uptick. And hmm. I remember being, I think I was interviewed on the, it was around the, there's an open source podcast. I think they're still around called the Changelog. Yep. And um, I think it's episode 61 of theirs, if I remember off the top of my head. Uh, we'll, get, we'll, we'll put it okay. in the notes for sure. So I was interviewed for about oh my Z shell then and i remember because i went to paris for about three months and i was renting an apartment there and i remember like looking out over this park and thinking like wow this project is starting to get a little bit 
you know, get some attention. I think at the time I had about a hundred, a hundred uh, pull requests that were waiting on me to respond to. And I, I made a joke on the podcast how my goal was to try to keep that under a hundred to kind of keep my sanity with the project. And, you know, fast forward to today, I'm looking at my GitHub and there's 861 pull requests pending my review. So, uh, <laughs> I guess that's cool. <laughs> so it's, it's a whole different, whole different whole, thing. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of crazy. So 2000, yeah, spring 2011, it sounds like there was some, some momentum there. What do you think that, that the momentum came from the, you know, you experimenting with the branding and the marketing or, or, you know, why do you think that the momentum happened? I think a little bit, so I think the podcast, that podcast interview definitely helped to a degree, but what ended up, what I started seeing was a lot of people that were giving talks uh, at conferences in different languages were, were, would be doing some demo coding or something, and they were using Oh My Z Shell, ah. and then what would happen, people would ask them after, like on online or at the end of, the, you know, during the Q&A session, hey, what, are, what were you using back there? Like, how did you get all that information about your Git branches and those, like all those plugin things you were, you were kind of typing in there? Where did that come from? And, you know, they would mention it on my show. And so I started seeing, you know, just a lot of like referral type, you know, people mentioning on my show because they were using it and it kind of became this thing where, you know, I was, just, I was noticing a lot of activity and communication and happening in multiple languages. You know, I'd see stuff that was in, uh, Dutch or I'd see stuff in Japanese or Russian and I'm like I have no idea what these people are saying but oh my Z show would show up in the words on Twitter because I was tracking that stuff and, and I was like oh this is interesting so I kept promoting you know kept retweeting people when they were talking about things and you know responding to people's questions and it just kept kind of getting some momentum that way and then I, I don't remember what year I decided to put some stickers and t-shirts on but then I thought oh I might as well try to experiment with this because circling all back around how I started doing web development in the first place was I wanted to sell stickers on the internet and so I was like finally someone will buy my stickers <laughs> for some software that I wrote so it was kind of all came back around and that's it all goes back to stickers exactly I feel like that happens a lot on my podcast a lot of people talk about stickers a lot for some reason <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like a lot of this you were experimenting and you were experimenting not just with 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 your open source project but also with like branding and marketing and getting things out there in the world yeah yeah I, I, that's how I've kind of always saw the project was like I get I get to do some technologies with it and I get a, I mean a lot of the code that's in Omaze shell today has been written by you know different folks and so there's almost 1100 people that have contributed code to the base um, project and you know I might be a big contributor early on but most of it's me accepting and approving other people's code and and so but with the the thing I thought I can do that I can't quite do with the kind of company they have as an agency you know we have different you know forms of advertising and marketing that we can do as an agency but to have the capacity to reach I don't know how many people are like that many people like at once with like a tweet or something uh, or be able to build a Facebook group that has a lot of people on it, the, I, I wanted to experiment with like, well, let me try to sell some apparel on here or something, or um, how can I promote a, an open source project uh, using some kind of my DIY punk approach from, you know, when I was younger and can I kind of be playful with it and, and just not try to take it too seriously and try to have content that was um, kind of whimsical to a degree, but also hopefully a little honest and, um, but not try to, I, I just feel like sometimes in the development community, we can, it can be a little rigid or really dry or, um, the documentation can be really boring. And so I, you know, if you even go to like our readme page, you know, I like that I get, I've, I've gotten compliments for the, the readme that we have on the project as being kind of entertaining. And so I, I like to just kind of keep that kind of appeal that, to make it interesting to myself, if, you know, outside of this is code and, you know, I, I, I use the project and a lot of people are using it and I feel like it has a lot of the things that it needs to have. But for me to, one of the things that's been most motivating to me about the project is getting to interact with the community and be playful with them. Well, yeah, but it strikes me too that many, many open source projects really focus on the project and sometimes 
uh, to the detriment of getting the word out there about the project. Mm. Whereas it feel it strikes me as that you have a balance here. In the beginning, you know, maybe you weren't trying to get the word out there, and you didn't maybe really care about branding and marketing. And then it sounds like over time you've cared more about that, or there's a bit of a balance between the branding and marketing, or getting the word out there about it, and create actually the product itself. Yeah, I would that that I would agree with that. There. The idea of, I remember thinking about the original logo we had when we, we were working on that, and, and the, a big part of it was, this is really a community project more than anything, and so yeah. I, I might be like the person that's helping kind of steer it in a certain direction, but this is all about everybody else that's contributing to it and people sharing, because if it wasn't for these people sharing, you know, sharing it with others or talking about it, uh, it wouldn't wouldn't be wouldn't have all the cool features that it's you know people have contributed to it and still to this day I, I, I kind of thought at some point I mean I'm assuming at some point it'll start to die down but you know people keep following the Twitter account people keep you know I get almost one to two orders a day for stickers or t-shirts or a coffee mug so it just keeps kind of going forward and so pretty consistent I think I feel like it's pretty flatline right there right now but it's a uh, it's been an interesting experiment I should say well yeah so um, is that was you caring about the branding and marketing? Obviously, like something that would be interesting in your own enjoyment. Um, you finally get those stickers, <laughs> but um, was it also because you really wanted to get? Was it really for the community? You know, because if you brand and market it, then more people will come and more people can use it, and it creates you know a better community, so to speak. Right? Was that part of it? Why you cared about those things, or was there a different reason? <laughs> Part of it was the community. The other part was just my own curiosity. Having not, you know, like the, the way Planet Argon, you know, my, my agency kind of started off where I kind of maybe was in the right place at the right time and took the opportunities that were kind of put in front of me. Or, you know, I, I wouldn't say it was completely accidental, but I think from a branding exercise, there's only so much I can do within an agency without maybe, you know, screwing up my employees' morale or how we're perceived in the public and like my playfulness. I don't feel like I was able to, I've been able to as much you do that with um, the agency side of things that I thought, well, this side project is a good way for me to experiment with some ideas and maybe I can apply some of those to the company as I try to figure out how to be a better marketer of, you know, a web agency. So, oh. so it's kind of like kind of, play with this stuff and then if I were to start a band again how might I take advantage of like some of the you know the branding and promoting of a of a of a music project and so I think of the software as one aspect and there's a community of people that are using the application or the the, the tool set and there's those that are contributing to the tool set and you know as I'm you know playing music again now I'm now able to apply some of that to how I'm interacting with Instagram or folks that are listening to us on Spotify and thinking about ways to engage with folks there. So just think of it like it's like, yes, community, but it's also just how can I reapply that some of those lessons elsewhere? Because because <clears throat> when you have an opportunity where, say, I have 24,000 followers on a Twitter account, I'm like, I feel like I can test out things. And, you know, and it, there's not like a much of a cost there to me, so. Well, right. I, I, I want to just go a little bit deeper with this because you really, it strikes me as such a, it's just different than other folks I've, I've spoken with, your, your perspective. Were you always sort of open to sort of the idea that you had to promote things or get things out in the world, so to speak, branding and marketing? Was that something that you always were sort of aware of or would, did, was there a shift when that became more apparent that you needed to do that? That's a good question. I'm trying to, I'm reflecting back on my, my, my teens and I think there has always been a part of me, maybe, I don't know if it's in my DNA of not so much getting things like liked necessarily as much as getting some exposure with mm. the projects I work on. You know, I had like an underground newspaper in high school. Um, I you know, was trying to sell stickers. I wanted to get things in, you know, get eyes on thoughts or ideas and such that I might have had a part in contributing to. And it's, yeah, this is interesting. I'm and thinking back to like my early, you know, just playing music and, you know, there's kind of always this desire to have a bit of an audience, whether they like what they're hearing or not, I suppose. So I think with the open source project, this has been a much more 
less uh, abrasive type of project where it's not I'm not trying to be really confrontational and maybe just more playful and such but compared like piggybacking on like some of my political activist days or you know different opinions I've had in the you know, over the years but so yeah I don't, I don't know how to best answer that except for I probably need to go spend some time doing some deeper thinking there about how there's probably some connecting thread there I always ask these questions where people say, wait, that's a good question. I have not thought about that before. <laughs> Can you tell I'm a coach? I like yeah. to make people think. Um, well, yeah, because it just, it really strikes me. And I love that idea that you distinguish between liking versus exposure. That, 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 that's really interesting, right? Like getting out there in the world, giving people uh, an exposure to it. It doesn't have to be loved, beloved by everybody. Right. And that's, I think that's one of the things that's, I struggle a little bit admittedly with Oh My Z Show is that because it's been so widely well received, I mean, there's been critical feedback to the project. And I touched on that on the, that blog post where I yep. shared a bunch of tweets that people have said. Or I, I, I saw I, them. I love that you shared that. I get some mean emails every once in a while and, and that's, and that's great. <laughs> and so um, it's, but it's been I feel like over like 98% of the feedback I've gotten has been really positive and that's not what I've been accustomed to most of my, um, you know, my life in terms of when I'm interacting with over some sort of project with folks. I feel like, you know, I, I don't mind controversy or kind of rubbing people maybe slightly the wrong way and trying to like, trying to, but I feel like that's what makes us figure out where we do and don't stand on things. And so I feel like, um, but anyways, I think there's a, I'm, I'm, yeah, I, is that what's hard about OAZ Shell? If, you've been, if the response has been overwhelmingly positive, does that make it mean it's hard for you to find where to improve? Like where you like that friction a little bit? Do you know what I mean? The What it could be or what's not working? I think well, the biggest problem I have with OAZ Shell is more along the lines of just how much time I'm going to allow myself to focus ah. on it. And so the, you know, I, th I do think the the fact that it's kind of it's almost self-managing in a way at this point I mean I mean not so much on the the, the follow-through on pull requests I, I think I, in a lot of ways I'm a failed open source maintainer but yet the project keeps growing I feel like the more I neglect it the more it keeps becoming its own thing and people keep talking about it so I'm like I can't even try to kill it if I ignore it so you know you said that I, I'm, I want to go back to what you said about I can't even kill it based upon how much time I spend on it, right? Like, like even if I don't spend time on it, it just keeps going, um, even without my put into it. And so I'm curious, I know it took you a while um, to get a maintainer on the project, another maintainer, right? Other maintainers? Yes, it, it did take a while. And I think I, since I wrote that, um, that individual actually had to step away from the project for an uh, unknown amount of time. So it's been, for the most part, aside from me, I've been the only maintainer the last think, about nine months or so. But so I think it, 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 it's the same. And I speak to that in my blog post. But it was it was a challenge getting to a point where I felt like I had a clear enough idea of where I wanted the project to go and how yeah. some base structure for when people help contribute and take in people's code because I've had a lot of controversial or I say controversial but contentious points in the project where I was getting people that were coming to the project and then we're making a lot of great contributions and then they wanted to make one big drastic change that I did just I didn't realize that I felt strongly about until they proposed it and then and so and that mainly being around the idea of uh, I remember several years ago there was someone that wanted to um, change how part of the internals work but it would also require the skill level of someone to use the pro the, the, the project would I, I felt would need to take a couple of steps up like in their kind of base knowledge before they can kind of interact with the tool and so I felt like we were that was I, I'm going back to why I originally wanted the project was to make the UX feel more comfortable and delightful to folks that were kind of new to command line prompts, not necessarily had you know a couple of years of experience. Or, right so beginners. Exactly. So it would have cut out beginners so Oh, interesting. So, so it seems like trying to keep that vision has been one thing that that pulls you forward. Like that is your vision, and that vision has stayed the same. You yes. want it to to remain open for people who are newer to com the command line. Um, and so, why I'm I'm curious about why you're the only maintainer. Like, and you haven't. You know, this other person is on indefinite leave away from it. I'm just curious about why you haven't added other maintainers. Yes recently this gets into the uh 
the 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 cold dark realities of being a, <laughs> a, a being part of a project that's kind of outgrown itself in many ways and so you know this has yeah. been something i struggled for a long time i don't know if i'm a control freak and i haven't realized and come to terms with it or not but there's there's almost a I, f I feel like because of the way that the tool gets installed on people's computers that there is a certain uh, risk associated with what gets contributed and, and I, I worry that somehow someone sneaks in something and we miss it and it destroys thousands and thousands of people's computers and file systems like overnight mm. because people have things getting auto updated you know on a regular basis from the project and it's it's in your command line and it feels scary and so there's, there's part of me just being like, you know what, I'm going to be the one that's going to be responsible if something goes wrong. And mm. so I don't, I don't know what, you know, there's probably, probably psychoanalyze that or I should talk to my therapist about it. But <laughs> on the flip side, it is also, I'm beca I've become this huge bottleneck. And I was a bottleneck when there was 100 pull requests. And yep. I'm a bottleneck in the same way now that it's like 900 pull requests that are pending. And so um, I have like this recurring to-do that reminds me every day that like try to go through 10 pull requests today, like that's going to get me caught up at some point. But the the reason why is that I, I had one person start helping out because they, they took it upon themselves to kind of work out their own system for how to get things ready for me. And after a couple of years of working with them, I said, you know what, let's just go ahead and have you start doing this. I trust you. We, had, we started doing Skype conversations, you know, once a month or so and talk through some plans. And then, but that person wasn't able to continue working on it as, you know, due to some personal things. And so, uh, so at this point, I, this last year, I've been focusing on a lot of other areas of my life. And so it's just kind of like the timing of like, oh, now I got to find someone to, else to contribute to the project. I wasn't anticipating needing to find another person yet. And so it just kind of something that you, you know, like one of those slow things where like, oh shit, I have not taken care of yeah. that. And, and it's still, I'm not allowing myself to spend more than, you know, like an hour or two a week on the project and because mm. I'm working on, you know, running a business and we've had, you know, business has its struggles and priorities or role shifting around it, you know, in a business setting or I'm focusing a lot on my music right now and, you know, trying to make sure I get outdoors and do a lot of backpacking and hiking and um, there's just lots of projects going on in a parallel. And so from my perspective, Oh My Z Shell is a great project to install right now and there's not really any major bugs that would cause any major issues for people most of that backlog of work is things that new ideas that people are trying to contribute that kind of work for them and they might want to share with other people but folks that, that are kind of a little bit more advanced know how to pull in that code themselves and so people do that all the time it's just um but i kind of become a bottleneck for getting any big updates made out to the project right now and i'm i'm, I'm i haven't really admittedly spent a lot of time recently thinking about how i'm going to approach that but it's on my mind well, yeah, and it, it sounds also like you care very much about the community and there, there's a way in which you could really care very much about the experience, the user experience and making sure that the vision, that it doesn't get taken away from that original vision, mm -hmm. which is the two coworkers who are not familiar with the command line. <laughs> exactly. Right. And that there's some importance there. I mean, obviously, bottlenecks are not great and... and you know, something that you're actively thinking about. But I actually have another question. Sure. Do you know how many, when we're thinking about, like, you're the only maintainer right now, do you know about how many folks, you know, are using it or, you, you know what I'm getting at? Like, you, you know, what tried, that audience size looks like? I, I wish there was a good way to tell. So, you know, when I look through all the data points, you know, it's one hand, let's say you take, I've tried to estimate it anywhere between probably, you know, 25 to 100,000 people maybe, I think. Yeah. And uh, that's just kind of just pulling some numbers out from, like, I have almost 25,000 followers on Twitter and, you know, I don't know why people would follow the project unless they were interested in it. But then if right. you, so that's also probably just a subset, I think. You know, on a daily basis, the project gets almost 5,000 views on the GitHub page every day. And so... Unique yeah. people, it's five, 6,000 visitors every day. We've had 50,000 unique cloners this last, or last two weeks. Wow. So if that was people doing an auto update, you know, maybe that's half of it because it's only, I'm just kind of, so yeah, maybe somewhere 50 to 100,000 people, I would imagine, wow. kind of as a, there's not like a, a list or I don't make people like fill out some form or download, right. you know, so it's just kind of a, that's one of the, 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 the fun parts about open source stuff where you, you don't really know what the reach is and, but there's people out there using it every day. 
So. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I knew I, when I looked at the Twitter, I was like, okay, yeah, that, that's a good size. And so you and I want to pick up another thing you said. So you only spend about an, one to two hours a week on it. Right, and that's um, and what about and what and but then there's still orders. So do uh, parts of Planet Argon deal with like the orders, like for stickers and shirts and things like that? Yeah, we have a studio admin that gets a couple extra hours, you know, a week to handle that stuff, and so um, so it's been like it's helpful to generate a little bit of extra revenue for you know like an admin to have a couple extra hours, and then. Um, and it's a, it's a, that that to see some products going out. I get to write little thank you notes and things like that every once in a while. But um, that part's you know, it's it's kind of a fun little piece to that. I'm thinking about something you said about identity and how you earlier you talked about identity and how you see yourself. I want to talk about where Oh My Z Shell fits into all of that. So I you know when I when people ask me what I do or the kind of projects that I work on, it's always Z shell is probably like the fourth or fifth thing that I might mention in my life right now. And so I think that's probably been like that for the last few years. It's always been like, well, this is great that this is happening in this, this fun project. And I can spend some time interacting with the community, you know, making some updates and such, or coming up with a new, you know, sticker idea or something. But, you know, it, it falls down after running, any, running a company and being, you know, available to my employees, being on the board of directors at a, uh, a nonprofit here based in Portland, be you know playing guitar and, and, and leading a, a new band the last few years and putting out a new, we put out an album last year, um, trying to spend more time with my girlfriend outdoors, you know, it's, it kind of starts to fall into like the second hand of, of fingers when I start listing off things that I'm working on. And so, um, mm. and I think that's always been very, I've always been upfront about that too. And so, for a long time and so I sometimes people will reach you know reach out and be like hey you know you're you're not really you know you're being you're neglecting the project or what have you and you know and I'm just like hey I'm always going to be upfront about it. like this is like a side fun project and it's open source I mean you can go make changes to it all you want um, and you can contribute and participate and you know if you participate enough then maybe you could be someone that helps run the project a bit more but I, I never wanted I never I, I never wanted to say going back to the earlier where I said I didn't want to work in computers I don't want technology to be the primary focus in my life it's a, an aspect of my life but it's not the primary focus point and I don't want it to, I don't want to be known you know on you know not that I would have a gravestone one day but when you look back on an obituary you'd be like oh oh my Z shell that was Robbie's claim to kind of air quoting fame it was right Robbie made this sort of impact with these different types of projects maybe help make developers life a little bit more delightful in the process got it so for you the you know if you think about your legacy you know you think in a more well-rounded view that that technology or computers are a part of your life but they're not the the main thing that the or the only really aspect of claim to fame again air quotes that you want to be remembered for yeah, when I reflect back on my life or when people think about what I've you know, contributed to society, I'm hoping that it's not a couple of bullet points for some technology that I participated in at one point in time. Like, oh, Robbie was an early Ruby on Rails adopter or Robbie created Omazee Shell. I hope it's more along the lines of Robbie helped open up opportunities for people and Robbie was willing to take chances to take advantage of opportunities that were put in front of him and, and then hopefully pass that on to other people as well. So that's kind of how I look at, you know, what my legacy can be when I when I think about that. And so when I think about that in the context of OAC Shell, it's might have helped create this project, but the project again is this community-driven project that you know, we've had almost 1,100 developers participate in, and so I've given them uh, a place that they can contribute. And a lot of those people I noticed are it's their first contribution to the open source world, and so I think that's you know great if I can help them kind of do that and so knowing that people might be new to say a command line and then within six to 12 months of using omaz shell go and make their own contribution or build their own plugin or improve a plugin that is that, that i feel pretty good about that wow i mean i think that that's it's really introspective Right, to, to, and, and I love that you have an understanding and you're thinking about your identity and your life in a full perspective because I think when something sort of get, it becomes a little bit 
becomes big, right? I mean, obviously, you know, 25,000 minimum audience, minimum, at the very minimum. That's a thing, right? That, that's a sizable sort of uh, project. Um, even if community, and I think that there's a way in which for some of us it could, we could get ego involved or become overly, or we could become run down by it and feel like we have to continue to focus a lot of attention on it. And yet what I hear from you is that you've been able to keep yourself sort of balanced and stay true to the full who you are as a person. I try to, but I also might just be really negligent or a control freak. I, I don't know. But, you know, I think there is, uh, I've been, for the last few years, when I do think about the project, um, and I'm actually going to test this out in about a month, is I'm going to give a talk at a local code school on how to, kind of echoing off that blog post of how to, you know, accidentally create a popular open source project and, and, and how to not manage a project like that. So I feel like there's a lot of lessons I can take away from, like, if I could go back and give someone else advice on how they could do it better, I have a lot of ideas, but... Um, but also to kind of just remind people that you know, don't create projects thinking that you need to have everything built ahead of time or thought through everything. You know, I'm still thinking through and working with the community on ways to improve things that I hadn't ever considered before. And so, and a lot of the things that people really like about OMAZ Shell weren't in the project for, for a number of months after it first got released. It was all ideas that came from the community. And so um, it's more about how can you work together with other people and and listen and, and then kind of work with them on coming up with you know, better solutions. Um, so, you know, normally at this point in the podcast, I might ask, what's next for Oh My Z Shell? But in the service of knowing that you are this well-rounded person, I'd love to just ask, like, what's next for you, you know, Robbie, as a person? Well, I'm going through a couple of things. One, we're kind of working through some transformations as a company at Planet Argon and um, trying to figure out who we are long term. You know, the Ruby on Rails um, ecosystem has definitely changed a lot in the past 12 years and we're trying to figure out where we fit into that and what industries we're focusing on, like healthcare and such. And also, we are, uh, personally, I have, you know, focusing you know, a lot more the last few years on music again and so the last year about almost a year ago my my band called the mighty missoula we released our first ep and we're going through some um we're working on writing out our next album right now and so hopefully by the end of the year we'll have another full-length album released and so we'll see where that heads itself as well robbie you are really fun to talk with. likewise <laughs>